keep reading the Advent book. You got it? Keep reading through it. Again, I'm going to use number seven today. It's kind of a springboard for our service. I used number two last week. I'll use number seven. And uh, the bulletin will tell you what I'm going to use next week. Linger near the manger is what it's called. I'm looking for what the number is. Number 12, um, linger near the manger. I just loved that thought when I read it. But we had to wait for that. I don't have that sermon written yet. So we're going to have to go with the one today. Christ in you, as Mr. Mercado puts together. But a short review of what we went over last week in the message of the manger. Jesus did not come to impress us. Jesus did not come to impress us. He didn't come to impress us as a great teacher. He was a great teacher, a very creative teacher, no doubt about that. But he didn't come to impress us as a great teacher. He didn't come to impress us as a miracle healer. Oh, he healed lots of people. Even as John says at the end of his book there, the end of chapter 20, many other signs that Jesus do in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. John records seven. The commentators, those that studied the word of God, say they can see at least 37 distinct miracles that are in the Gospels. But we know he did many other, many other miracles like that. But he didn't come to impress the people and impress us as we look back on his life as a miracle worker. But we know this. He did come to be with the ones he loves. He did come to be with the ones that he loves. For God, help me out, so loved the world. Jesus is loved, and that's why he came, to love those who he loves. But he also came, as we said last week, to serve the ones that he loves. One way that God serves, even today in our world, is through the grace that he demonstrates to all people. In Matthew chapter 5, 45, it says this of God. It says that his son rises on the good and on the evil. Did it rise this morning? Yeah, it was really beautiful too. <laughs> Getting early enough that the sun's riding quite up as I'm coming to church around 6.50. And man, it was just this, this pink hue. The billowy clouds off to the south. It's just beautiful. And you know what? His sun rose on those who are good that have a relationship with him. The sun rose on those that don't have a relationship with him this morning. And he goes on in there and he says, and he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Or he sends the snow on the just and the unjust. <laughs> it was interesting, yesterday in Leota's service, they said of Leota, she loved the snow. She loved the snow. And I wasn't nearly that happy about it yesterday morning. <laughs> Thank you, Gloyd. <laughs> Save the day for us to get the parking lot clear. But he does that. And he sends that rain, he sends that snow on the just, those that love him. He sends it on the unjust, they don't love him. We call that this, common grace. Because it's extended to all people. Theologically, it's called common grace. Because it's extended to all people. No matter where they are in their relationship 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. But he also came primarily to save the ones he loved. To give his life as the Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. John comments about that. The disciple, the author, comments in 414 of 1 John. Have we have, and we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. For we have seen, John can say that, yes. We saw Him. And we can testify, why? Because we've seen Him, we've heard Him, as it says in 1 John chapter 1. We've seen and heard, and we testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Sounds a lot like John 3.16. Sounds a lot like 1 John 3.16, as we commented last week. God extends His common grace to all people. The rain, the sun, the things of this earth, to all people. But then there's His saving grace that's extended to all people, but not everybody accepts it. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says of the Father, and it says of Jesus, it says of the Spirit, it says, they are not willing that any should, what? Perish. To not have a relationship with Him. They're not willing to, that's not what they want. They want all to know and to recognize that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. That's why He came. He came to, if we put it this way, He came to impress us about that. He wanted to impress that on our lives, that we would have a relationship with Jesus Christ and with the Heavenly Father that He brings our way. But think about this. Christ moved into the world to be with us. Matthew records that as he speaks, the angel speaks to Joseph. As Matthew recounts this for us, as the angel speaks unto him, and said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means Isaiah said that. 700-some years before Jesus was born. He said, This is going to happen. This is the prophecy. And the angel says to Joseph, This is the fulfillment. Mary carrying Jesus is the fulfillment of what was given many, many years ago. That the virgin will be with child, she'll conceive a child, and she'll bear a son, and he'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew records that for us. Mark begins his gospel a little bit differently than the other gospels. He explains that G John the Baptist's purpose, he doesn't start off with Jesus, he starts off with John the Baptist, and he says John the Baptist's purpose was to be the messenger crying in the wilderness, introducing Jesus, God with us, as he says this, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. What Mark is saying is that he's with us. I'm here proclaiming that Jesus is here. This is the one that has been prophesied. This is the one that has been foretold. He is here with us. Emmanuel is here with us, even though he does not use those words. But Mark says, now, I'm going to tell you his story. That's why I'm writing this gospel. I want to tell you his story that he is with us, that Emmanuel is with us, that the spotless Lamb of God, as John calls him, seeing, hearing John the Baptist say that, that the spotless Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, is here. Here he is. He comes. We see him. He's right before us. Luke, who's the research historian, the doctor who does his theonesis, Theophilus, man, I've 
I've done the research. I've looked around. I see what's got. Here's, I'm going to tell you this story. He says, obviously, in, in Luke 2, even as we read this morning, about the angel announcing to the shepherds. What was the angel announcing to the shepherds? God is with us. God is here. He's come to be with us. He's put on skin. He's moved into our neighborhood. He's right here for us. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. For unto you, he's with us. He's with us. He's right here. What a beautiful portrayal this morning. What a beautiful portrayal to remind us that he's with us. And this will be a sign for you to find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and claws and lying in a manger. And what did they just what did the shepherds do? Man, they went with haste. And they went to go find him. And what did they find? A baby lying in a manger. <laughs> what they said was going to happen. The angel said that. And that's what they found. And what did they find? They found Emmanuel. They found God with us for them and for us even today. And John, the disciple, close friend of Jesus, as he begins his gospel, in the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. John, speaking of experience, we beheld His glory. We saw Him, glory of the Father, full of grace and truth. Because we, we've seen it. It's right here. God is with us. He's the light. He's the creator, he says in those first few verses. He's a part of our lives. <clears throat> Excuse me. God's Son is put on flesh and stepped down from heaven to dwell with us for a short time. And aren't we thankful? We are so, so thankful. Paul goes on to describe it in that beautiful hymn, old first century hymn found in Philippians chapter 2. He says, have this mind in you that is in Christ Jesus. That God, was, even though Jesus, who was in the form of God, did not regard equality with something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human flesh. In human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the He's with us. He's with us. And this is what he came to do. He descended into greatness, as has been written, by humbling himself, not holding on to his God, God, godness. Oh, he was fully God, but he didn't hold on to it. Because he came and he humbled himself so that he could give himself for us as the perfect lamb. verses tell us he is with us in his birth, he's with us in his death, and all that he has done for us. See, God moved into our world and into our neighborhood so he can be with us, the ones who love us. But I say this about Jesus and about, about Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to be more than your neighbor. He wants to be with you. He wants to be more than an acquaintance. He wants to be a friend. And he wants to be even more than a friend. He wants to be a part of your family. Revelation 3.20, beautiful 
first you've seen the picture of it, Jesus knocking on the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and we'll eat together. We'll have fellowship together. We'll sup together, I think the King James says. I want to be a part of your life. Open the door. Continue to open the door to me. Because that's what friends and family do. We eat together. We're part of each other's life. Even yesterday at Leotis' service, they had a meal afterwards. And uh, they tell the fun story that when, if you ask Leotis what she wanted to eat, she'd say pizza. And so we had pizza pizza yesterday. <laughs> now, you might not do that at your service, but it's Leotis' service. She can do what she wanted, right? That's what family does. That's what friends do. We eat together. We fellowship together. We're part of each other's life. And how beautiful that is. And Jesus says, I want to share that with you. I, I want to be more than just the, the person in your neighborhood. I want to be able to in your home. I want to be a part of your life. I want to share together life with you. So open the door. Keep opening the door so that we can have this relationship and this fellowship together. I get this. When Christ moves into your life, He's never going to move out of your life. I thought that's pretty good too. I wrote that. That's pretty good. But it's true, isn't it? When Christ moves into your life, He's never going to move out of your life. Hebrews 13. He said, Be content with your life. Keep your life free from money. Don't let anything else take my place. We'd say it. Why? Because I said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm a part of your life. I'm sticking around. You better like it. Anybody's going to move, it's going to be you. And I don't want you to move. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Once I move into your life, I will never move out. Even David, a thousand years before Christ, and understanding all that Christ is going to do for us, he understand, he understood this aspect of staying with us. This beautiful passage in Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed and shield, you're there too. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. David understood that. Before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he understood that. I can't get away from your presence. You are always there for me. Once he moves in to be with you, never moving out to leave you. You see, when you invite Christ to be with you, He will come and be in you. And this is the thought from the book, as Max Lucado gives it today. Christ in you. Jesus in John chapter 14, I will never leave you as orphans. I'm never going to leave you without help, without a parent without an Abba Father. 
Let somebody be a part of your life. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and as you speak into him in these last moments with them, and the world will see me no more. Talking about his death. But you'll see me. I'm going to rise again. Because I live, you're going to live too. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, you in me, and I in you. He just gives a picture of what's going to take place. He's describing it. He's not putting it in terms exactly how it is so that they can look at right here, but, he, but he's gotten a little bit veiled. He's trying to help them to understand, to think through what's going to take place. I'm going to die. The world's not going to see me, but you're going to see me again because I'm going to rise from the dead. And in that, it's going to prove that I am the resurrection and the life, and the life that I have, you can have that life. And the fact is that I'll be a part of your life. Why? Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you're, you're, I'm still going to be a part of your life, but you're not going to be able to see me, but the Holy Spirit's going to make sure you know that I'm in your life because you live in me. I know it's pretty, pretty complicated, but it just makes sense. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. In Paul's prayer, chapter Ephesians chapter 3, why don't you read it with me? That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ is in you. This beautiful prayer that's in Ephesians chapter 3, that you be strengthened, you be rooted, you understand how high His love is, how deep His love is, how broad His love is, and it goes on further into that passage. That beautiful prayer. He's saying, I want you to understand this. Paul, I want you to understand, and I'm praying this for you, that you will understand that when Christ comes into your life, He's never leaving your life. He is in your hearts through faith. Paul says to the saints further in Colossians chapter 1, To them, he writes, he's speaking of the saints, those that know Jesus Christ as their Savior, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Understanding the word mystery, it's something that's been revealed. That's how the, the, the word has the sense of it. Something that was unknown here, but it is now known. It's now been made known to you. It was a mysterious thing here, but now it's been made known. The mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What we base our hope on, this confident assurance that God will fulfill His promises, this is what God has for us came across this in my studies this week as one author wrote. He says, Christ in you means Jesus Christ is alive and His Spirit lives and dwells in His children. Christ isn't outside of us as some sort of helper in our time of need. He actually lives in us and is with us all the time. And I read that, I go, that's exactly the main, main point here. He's with me and He's in me. <laughs> it's like, how did that guy know what I was going to preach on today? How did he know what Max Licato was going to write in his book? Thank you, Lord. Exactly what we're talking about there. When Christ comes into us, He's with us. And when He comes in and is with us, He is in us. He is a part of our lives. Which leads me to my last point. When Christ comes into your life to be with you and in you, He will come out of you. When Christ lives in you, He's a part of your life, He's going to come out of you. Some of you are looking at me like, that's kind of weird. Well, let me explain what I mean. You're going to live out Christ. He's in you. You're going to live Him out as a part of who you are. You see, when someone comes into your life and is with you and in you as a friend or family member, things are different. When you got married, things were different, friends. 
You couldn't do maybe all the things you used to do. Why? Because you now have a marriage partner, you have a spouse, and every night you're not going to go out and play softball and basketball and baseball and golf and everything else. Soccer, that's one of the things I was doing when I got married. You're not going to do all those things like you were. Maybe you carry on some of them, of course. When you get to be in a business and you have to go to work, it's not the way it was. You're now in a partnership and you're working with somebody and you have to do these things to make sure that things get done. All those things. And when we come to know him, he becomes our Abba Father. We can call him personally Abba Father, this dear one, precious one. We have Emmanuel with us. Jesus Christ is with us and loves us and cares for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, haven't seen this verse in a long time. It's mentioned in Mercado's book examines yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Take a look. Are you really knowing Jesus Christ? Following Him and seeking Him and growing? Do you know Him? Do you have the experience of saving grace? Examine yourself. Take the test. Make sure He's a part of your life. Test yourselves. Do you not realize about your, this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Don't you realize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? If Christ is not a part of your life, then you're going to fail the test. You're going to examine yourself and you can recognize Jesus is not a part of my life. But if Jesus is a part of your life, recognize that. That when he comes and he's with you, he's also going to be in you. And then because he's with you, he's going to come out of you. Those are the things that you're going to do. You're going to spill out Jesus when you get bumped. I didn't spill him out well yesterday when I was driving here in the snow. <laughs> Just honest with you. Okay? Everything worked out great. God did a great work and I had to forgive ask for forgiveness for how I responded. But I got bumped and I spilled and I didn't spill out Jesus, but Jesus is in me. I need to spill out Jesus. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like you, keep learning, keep growing. Keep working at it, right? Philippians 3.16, love this verse for you. So only let us hold fast to that which we've attained. Let us hold true to that which we obtained. What did we attain when we got Jesus Christ as our Savior? That He is with us and that He is in us. So therefore, live that way. That's who we are. We're saints. We've got His righteousness all about us. So we live it out. That should come out of us. Came across this good thought too. Because Christ lives in us, the Christian life is not a matter of trying to behave like Christ, but allowing Him to live in and through us. I read that on Friday, Thursday, Friday, and I got it. Because Christ lives in us. Christian life is not about trying to behave like Jesus. It's allowing Christ to be with us and to live him out because he's with us. And he wants to do his good work through us and in us. And what Cato says in his book, in his words, you can't stop drinking or worrying. Christ can. And he lives within you can't forgive that jerk 
forget the past or forsake your bad habits? Christ can. And he lives in you. That's so good. So good. The things that we can't quit doing, Christ can help us. We're all in that battle. We're all in that work. We have victory. We have some defeats. We understand that. And when we have a victory, listen, my friends, let's celebrate it. Because <laughs> we need to celebrate it. And when you do the right thing, celebrate it. Thank you, Lord, for helping me do the right thing. People do that often. We get so hard on ourselves and down on ourselves because we didn't do the right thing. When we do the right thing, let's celebrate it that Christ, you came out of me. You came out of me because you're in me. You're part of my life. I heard this on uh, Caleb's radio 106.9 station I listen to. He goes, Carlos, in the morning, on uh, maybe Friday morning, just listen to it. He said his pastor referred back to the song, Oh, Come All You Faithful. And as you know, the next words, Oh, Come All You Faithful, Joyful and triumphant. And sometimes we don't feel that way. And the pastor put it this way. Oh, come, all you faithless, broken and defeated. Oh, come, all you faithless, broken and defeated. You know why? That's where you're at. You're broken and you're defeated. God's saying, come. Oh, come. Come. I live in you. I can help you. I can help you to be joyful and triumphant. Because I'm in you. And I want to come out. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live in the power of the Son of God. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2. I've been crucified with Christ. I've died with him. He's come to be a part of my life. And the life I live is no longer my life. It's his life. Because he's in me. And he was going to come out of me. I want him to come out of me and be a part of my life. We talked about Mary today. That was a great illustration. And Mary, did you know that child is this? You know, there are questions. I don't know if being the song title had the question mark after it, but there are questions thinking through all of this. And, and how did Mary go through this difficult journey? I mean, Joseph did too, of course. But as we think about Mary, how did she go through this difficult journey? This young gal, this teenage gal, who Gabriel comes and says, you're going to bear the Christ child. The virgin's going to conceive. You're going to bear the Christ child. You're going to name him Emmanuel. And, and he's going to call you Jesus too because he's going to save his people from his sins, as Todd reminded us earlier. How could she do that? 
How could she say, may it be to me, for I am your servant? Think about this. Only through recognizing that Christ was in her, literally, literally, Christ was in her, and figuratively. It wasn't an easy journey. It was very difficult. Yet she recognized, and Elizabeth recognized, when John the Baptist leaped in her womb when they met together, that literally Christ was in her. How could we do better in our journey if we literally remembered Christ was in our lives? He says he is. I mean, we're not pregnant with him. But he's in our lives. He says, Christ in you. What if we recognize as we walk through the day that, like the disciples, that Christ is with us all the time? Now, they were kind of boneheaded sometimes. We know that. (laughs) They didn't always follow him well. Peter, get behind me. (laughs) Let Satan control you. Get behind me. Okay, we know that, okay? But but if we could just remember as we live this life and go through this life that Christ is in us. He's with us and He is in us. That could make a difference. So this week, stop. When you get bumped, Christ is in you, so let Christ come. in you. And when things come this week, 